Today on the Texas Companion, the freeways of Houston are unique in both design and execution. Today we hear the story behind the strange but interesting series of roadways. New firearms legislation has been signed into law as of last week. We'll be talking with Senator Jessica Arvitz, who is the driving force behind this bill. And after the forecast, we'll talk about the very real danger of the Texas leopard hornet. I'm Barbara Ann Kalachi. I'm Chet Greenspaw. And I'm Josephine Rochester. And, and this is, is the, the Texas, Texas Companion. Companion. Boy, howdy, Josephine. It seems our little podcast sure has taken off. You could say that again. I refuse. After checking our numbers last night, it appears that this here podcast has been heard by over 10 people in the last two weeks. That's more than twice what we expected. So thanks, Texas. And thanks, I guess, to all you other places that ain't Texas. Indeed. We never realized when we purchased the recording equipment, time in this studio, and the website for this little venture that so many people would listen to it. <laughs> That's the magic of the internet, I guess. Uh, <clears throat> it seems Josephine has given me a look like I've gone all cattywampus. Magic of the internet. You know what I mean, honey. Chet, how old are you? Um, I'll be 39 in July. That means that you done been using the internet since, let's see, you were 18 years old, correct? Okay, okay. She... You know as well as I do that the internet is not sorcery. I'm sorry, damn. You're right, that was totally wrong of me to say. Let's just get on with the next bit, yeah? <sighs> yeah, okay. But we gotta talk later. That kind of talk will get us arrested, you moron. I'm sorry. Houston, Texas. You might know it as Space City, Hustle Town, or the deodorant capital of the world. Whether you live within city limits or outside of them, you may have noticed the peculiar, concentric ring pattern of this bustling metropolis's freeway system. Looking on the map, it may be hard to spot at first, but talk to any of the locals and eventually they will use a term that refers to their place of residence, whether it is inside the loop, outside the loop, or even outside the Great Ring. All of this started, of course, with one of the most famous residents of Texas, Mayor Oscar Hascom, who was elected to office in 1930. It was a historic year for Houston, as well as for the nation. Automobiles were quickly replacing horses, ponies, and even trains as the predominant choice for transportation. As such, the idea of unmetered roadways, free highways, or freeways, if you will, occurred to Mayor Hascom as he rode in a carriage with his wife one day on the way to work. It was a pretty amazing concept. That's Professor Gabriel Munch of the University of Texas in Burleson. I spoke with him briefly in his office about the creation of the Houston freeways. What most people don't realize was just how revolutionary Mayor Holscomb's contribution was to American culture. Before Holscomb, the most we had were highways. For the layman, can you explain the difference between a highway and a freeway? Absolutely! A highway is, in the modern vernacular, is any roadway that's paved with one or more lanes that, that travels directly from one town to the next, but, but a freeway is a paved road that skips towns, cities. Heck, it's just goes really long distances. That's an interesting definition. Holscomb was a genius. He, he wanted a, a freeway from Houston to Dallas. Insane. They called him insane. But he did it anyway. That was in State 45. And we use it today. 
Speaking of Professor Marsh, I was no more educated on what the terms about loops meant in Houston, so I decided to do my own investigation and speak with the locals on the street. So, do you live inside the loop? No, outside. And what does that mean? I live in Oak Forest, kind of the burbs man. It became clear, as I asked more people, that the loop in question is the circular path of Highway 610, which greatly lessened my confusion. Within that circle lies most of the businesses and warehouses, as well as many oil refineries, whereas the suburban sprawl outside of it has affordable and perfectly middle-class housing. I pursued further. Do you live inside or outside of the loop? Oh, inside, but I'm planning on moving outside. So where does that mean you live currently? Montrose, it's down by the warehouse district. Excuse me, I was wondering, do you live inside the loop or outside? Outside. And is that still within the Great Ring or outside of it? I'm sorry, did I say something wrong? Sir, are you... Oh my, your nose is bleeding. Your question is forbidden! Oh! Oh God! Your question is forbidden! Your question is forbidden! As I discovered, the secret of the great... rhymes with thing is not to be questioned. I was pursued at great length by an angry horde of Houstonians, all of them purging blood from their noses and mouths. I ran. I hid. I ran again. Fortunately, I was able to steal an unattended ambulance from a nearby hospital, and after three days of bloodshed and close calls, managed to escape to the northernmost mountains of Austin. Over the course of the next few weeks, I discovered that as long as I made no mention of the great... R thing, I would receive no further death threats or attempts on my life. An interesting lesson in Houston's freeways and a blood-chilling warning that sometimes you shouldn't seek these lessons. From a concrete bunker in North Richland Hills, I'm Barbara Ann Kalachi. I guess you could say that Babs found an answer, all right, and it has a proper ring to it. Well, kiss my grits, Josephine. (laughs) (laughs) On the subject of danger, Chet, I believe you looked into the passage of the newest firearms legislation in Texas. That I did. As many at home know, the passage of House Bill 9944 was rather controversial, even by Texas standards. Still, it passed overwhelmingly, 25 to 6. That was the newest right to carry law, right? You bet your sweet elbows, Josephine. And as some of our listeners might know, this had a direct impact on me and Josie here. We're both lawful concealed carriers of firearms, and this new ordinance had some impact on our rights, as well as the rights of all Texas citizens. I spoke with Senator Jessica Arvitz of Fort Worth about this law that she'd helped successfully pass. It's no secret that Texans love their Second Amendment rights. With the passage of specific laws in 1996, concealed carry was made legal for all licensed citizens, provided they had no felonies, went through a rigorous background check, and attended 10 hours of state-certified training sessions. These laws were amended to allow Texans to carry firearms in their cars in 2006, and then amended most recently in 2015 with the allowance of licensed open carry of handguns, Anyone with a concealed carry license can now also carry their firearm on their hip in broad daylight. And now, with the passage of House Bill 9944, new allowances have been made. Joining me today is State Senator Jessica Arvitz, who helped write and campaign to support this new law. Senator, thank you for joining us today. A pleasure to be here, Mr. Greenspaw. 
You can call me Chet. <laughs> now, you've been a member of the Texas Senate since 2004. Is that correct? Correct. I won the seat vacated by Phil Graham at the time. Now, you won that running on a libertarian ticket, which many found groundbreaking since the seat vacated was Republican. That is also correct, Mr. Greenspaw. Oh, you can call me Chet. It's been said that you're a very moderate politician for the state of Texas. You were the first Democrat elected to the Abilene mayor's seat, but later became the first incumbent to run on both the Green and Republican Party tickets. I feel it's in every elected official's duty to keep a well-rounded understanding of their constituents. Well-rounded indeed. Some would even say this new legislation of yours comes from a more, well, the liberal side of the aisle regarding animal rights. I'd like to be clear, Mr. Greenspaw. I support both the rights of farmers, hunters, and sportsmen, as well as those of animals, to live a life free of cruelty and crime. It's not been an easy line to walk. But House Bill 9944 seems to have pleased a lot of people. I'll put it plainly, so my words are not misconstrued. My constituents and I believe that pet dogs, although canine in species, are often beloved family members. They deserve many of the same protections that humans do. All too often, these dogs are maliciously injured, hurt, or killed, and the previous laws don't allow much more than a civil lawsuit in retribution as protection. That's hardly justice. And this new law changes that pretty dramatically. Yes, it does, Mr. Greenspaw. Uh, call me Chet. As of June 1st, 2016, all Texas dogs over the age of three years will be allowed to purchase, sell, and carry openly the firearms of their choice. This would make us the first state in America to allow dogs to exercise their Second Amendment rights, correct? Absolutely. But Texas has always been a firebrand in this nation, and I see no reason we should not continue to set the trends for America. Some people are worried that this law will cause more violent crimes amongst family pets. What are your feelings on this? People worried about the same thing happening to humans in 1996, when the initial CHL law was passed. If anything, violent crime reports in Texas dropped significantly over the next four years, even versus a national average. Today, most law enforcement heads see the right to carry laws as a good thing. In another four years, I think they'll say the same thing about this new law for dogs, Mr. Greenspaw. Call me Chet. On the heels of that question, Senator, what about those who say this will just make it easier for other animals, such as cats, coyotes, and wild pigs, to acquire illegal guns? Our state has a track record of very strict firearms control when it comes to sales and purchases, and especially permits. It's already illegal for wild boar to own firearms, as they're criminals by definition. Coyotes, as well, are not permitted to exercise Second Amendment rights since they are illegal aliens in our state. And cats... <laughs> well, I don't think anyone wants cats to have guns, Mr. Greenspaw. <laughs> Surely not. And please, call me Chet. Now that... HB 9944 has successfully passed muster. Are there any other new exciting bills you're involved with? They're bills, Mr. Greenspaw. Bills. There is nothing exciting about bills. Hmm. Just so. Well, thanks for speaking with me, Senator. Thank you for inviting me, Chet. Great reporting, Chet. And now, The Forecast by Chuck Dubois, our meteorologist. Well, thanks, Josephine. A newly formed dry line will sweep across the panhandle this afternoon.
We interrupt this broadcast to announce the activation of the Texas KATS system. A confluence of type 2 thaumaturgic activity has been detected in the following counties. Comanche, Travis, Harris, Wichita, Argyle, Soprano, Tarrant, Trowthas, Newton, Utah. If you are in these counties, please be advised that weather patterns may become severe as type 2 sorcery can produce large hail, straight light winds, summoned malicious spirits, and tornadoes. Seek shelter in a windowless room or cellar and keep salt handy. This alert is predicted to expire at midnight, Texas Standard Time. With sizes ranging from marble to softball, which will no doubt result in days of full sunshine, partly cloudy nights, and temperatures between 60 and 110 degrees Marius. Back to you, Josie. If you live in Texas, you've heard since childbirth the terrible stories of the leopard hornet. If you've been particularly unlucky, you even encountered these terrible embodiments of nightmare fuel. Those of you living outside of Texas may ask, what is a leopard hornet? Here with the basic facts about these varmints is Dr. Eloise Von Katz, professor of entomology at the University of Texas in Greenville. Glad to be here, Josie. Well now, tell us about the origin of these wasps. They ain't from around these parts, are they? Walls, no. The Texas leopard hornet is hardly an indigenous species. Although they're well known locally these days, most people are unaware that the Vespa Antarctica brisketii only came to these states in a relatively recent times. It all started with a research venture by the University of Texas A&M. Go Longhorns! Go Longhorns! Gotta give a shout out to my alma mater. Anyway, the university financed an Antarctic research expedition in 1958. What was the objective of this expedition? A team of 16 botanists were interested in digging deep down into that permafrost of Antarctica to see what kind of plants used to thrive there before the tectonic shifts made the continent into a frozen wasteland. Did they find anything? Oh, absolutely. While taking core samples, they found nine different species of fern that are extinct today. Totally preserved in them icy waste, too. But that was where, if you'll pardon the expression, everything went ass over tea kettle. How so? On the return voyage to the Falklands, they suffered a major failure of one of the generators. As terrible luck would have it, that generator powered the freezers that held them core samples. One of those cores. Go on. Well, one of those cores had pulled four frozen bodies of insects out of the depth. As everyone knows, freezing doesn't kill leopard hornets. They just interstate a turper, and three of those bodies were drones. Unfortunately, one of them was a queen. They thought and was at half a day had set up a nest in one of the lifeboats on the ship. That was when the killing started, right? Right. By the time the ship was within hailing distance of the Falkland Islands, there had been 16 cattle teas. 
The surviving crew and researchers had survived by hiding in the radio room huddled up with makeshift flamethrowers. It was a bit of an international incident, if I recall correctly. The Pentagon and the CDC dispatched an undisclosed number of personnel to sanitize the ship and to capture live specimens of the leopard hornet. The nest had grown to well over a thousand drones guarding that queen. After a furious and terrible battle, the nest and the queen were destroyed and the U.S. military captured an undisclosed number of drones. Only a handful of human survivors on the ship also made it home to safety. They made a documentary of this, right? Yes sirree, 1972's The Nest. Screenplay by Philip K. Dick. The movie is still considered a cult classic, although few of its fans realize the true story behind the movie. For the listeners who don't live here, or the generally idiotic morons who don't normally know common knowledge, describe the leopard hornet, if you will. Oh well, they're just plain amazing on many levels. They're the largest North American wasp, first of all, with the bodies not included in the ovipositor. The, the what? Sorry, the stinger, not counting the stinger. The body of the leopard hornet at maturity averages 5 inches in length and they have a wingspan around 9 inches, which far exceeds that of the next largest wasp in America, the tarantula hawk. Now their venom is pretty painful, yeah? Absolutely. On the Schmidt pain scale they register a solid 5, which makes their sting exponentially twice as doubly painful as the Amazon bullet ant. And they tend to swarm aggressively on any perceived threat. Well. Most mammals die of shock within minutes of being stung, just once. But they don't just sting to kill, right? Absolutely not. The leopard hornet is unique in many ways. It's nocturnal for one, the only nocturnal wasp in the world. And when they kill, they eat the corpse. They have powerful ferocious jaws and a gluttonous appetite for flesh. <laughs> Repeated tests by the Department of Defense have shown that a hive of a thousand leopard hornets can kill and skeletonize a 1,600-pound cow within nine minutes. Their terrible mandibles strip and even the tiniest scratch from the carcass. Once a swarm of leopard hornets is done, nothing is left but the bare white bones. So how does one identify a leopard hornet? Jump it, Jesus! Oh my goodness, if you can see your face. That's not funny! Jesus fucking Christ! Fuck wrong with you! Just a bit of entomology here. I will skull fuck your teeth out with my fist! <laughs> Look, I'm Get sorry. The fuck out of my studio, you whore! Coming up next time on the Texas Companion Podcast. Teflon, it's everywhere in your home. Why, what have you done? We've all seen armadillas, but not many have seen them wearing yoga pants. There's a reason for this. The answer may surprise you. And we'll take a look at the history of the so-called town of Midlothian. Fact or fiction? I'm Barbara Ann Kalachi. I'm Chet Greenspaw. And I'm Josephine Rochester. And we here at the Texas Companion Podcast wish you a wonderful, wonderful Texas day. This episode of the Texas Companion is written by Jay Grant and Mel Hines. 
Produced by Amber Reed, Mel Hines, Robert Fox, Tracy Stark, and Jay Grant. The voice of Barbara Ann Kalachi is Mel Hines. The voice of Josephine Rochester is Tracy Stark. The voice of Jessica Arvitz is Amber Reed. The voice of Chet Greenspaugh is Jay Grant. The voice of Chuck Dubois is Robert Fox, who is also reading these credits. Guest appearance by HD as Dr. Von Katz. Background music provided by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Original guitar music is by Jay Grant. Who just ate a dozen chicken wings. For more Texas Companion fun and information, check out our website at texascompanion.org. Questions and feedback can be emailed to info at texascompanion.org, and you can like and share our page on Facebook anytime you want. We're also on SoundCloud, the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, and hell, we're spreading like a bad case of gonorrhea. Check it out. Thank you, and have a wonderful Texas day. My doctor laughed at me. No, that sound evil. Okay, uh, uh, give me, give me your doctor laughing. Wee, wee, wee.